Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I'm Nikki Cross and I am jumping in before the episode begins because me being me, I've recorded this episode and then I've decided, and then I've decided the topic of December's workshop. Inside the Inner Work Club every single month, I will be facilitating a workshop that I think meets the needs of my members. And I also want to open up that workshop to you guys who might not be in the Inner Work Club or a one-to-one client of mine in December 2023. So if you're listening to this episode when it goes out, um, you are invited. You are invited in December 2023 which is right now, I am facilitating a workshop at 6.30pm on Wednesday the 13th of December and it's called Becoming the Guardian of Your Highest Good. Guys, this workshop is going to teach you how to become the guardian of your highest good. There's There's no other way that I can really explain that and it's called Become because you're not going to become it in the session, but this session is going to give you the wake-up call that you need, the insights into yourself that you need to start uh, having a different relationship with yourself, being uh, different with yourself in terms of the way you speak to yourself, the way you prioritize yourself, the way you the way you uh, treat yourself. And I think that this is going to be a great introduction to those of you who have been thinking about joining the Inner Work Club, because this is largely a massive chunk of the work that we practice inside that space. But if you're not, if you don't want that ongoing commitment, this is a really great session, just especially around this time of year, when everything and everyone else is a priority to help put you, uh, at the not at the top of that list, but just help you to understand how to have a relationship with yourself where you are the protector, the guardian of what is in your best interests, what is of your highest good. So there's your invitation. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes to join. It's a one-off payment of £49. If you cannot make it live, there will be a replay and you will have access to that replay for ages and ages and ages after the session. I have no intention of taking any of it down. So I'm going to leave it here. We're going to head into the episode now. Thank you for bearing with me during this intro. (laughs) I promise to be, I can't promise to be more organized in the future, can I? Can't promise that. Let's just roll with it. Okay, into the episode. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I'm Nikki Cross and today I want to talk about the expensive habit of wanting to be liked. I think that this is probably something that I've covered in the past on different episodes, but we live and we learn. I think that, you know, I was just speaking to a client this morning, which is where this episode has been born from. Um, I was speaking to her and I was saying, you know, there was a book that I read in at the beginning of my business and I just wasn't ready to take the action that the book was um, encouraging you to take. And I've reread the same book later on, like this year, 2023, And it's made a profound change in my business by just following some of the prompts in this particular book. And I think the same is true for podcasts. Like you can listen to some of these episodes and then you can listen back uh, maybe a year or two years later and you have changed during that time. You have grown, you've had different experiences, you've evolved. And so even if I have done episodes like this, this one in particular was not on my list to record before Christmas but I am here recording it for you because I, through the uh, 
increased calls that I'm doing at the moment, consultation calls, um, the coaching calls inside the Inner Work Club and through discussions with my one-to-one clients, it's really necessary for me to talk more about this. I feel it's really necessary. So where was this born from? I was having a chat with one of my one-to-one clients over Voxer. So it's just like WhatsApp, but a little bit different in that um, I pay for it and it's got different features. That's irrelevant. Why am I talking about Voxer? Anyway, we were talking about someone that she was really encouraging to book in an inquiry call with me, a consultation call with me. And she was saying, you know, they're just facing some resistance to it. And I said, yeah, that's not unusual. Like it's not unusual for someone to have resistance to coming to do this work. And that could be for many reasons. But if we assume that financial financially that's not an issue for them they can afford to come and do this work there's a lot of the time there can be real resistance to booking in that call and I was explaining my client process my typical client process where normally if people are coming to work with me one-to-one they will they'll there's a normal trend that I see in my one-to-one clients where They've already been following the podcast for a little while. They've been listening along. They've been implementing some of that work. So by the time they get to me on a on an actual inquiry call with me, it's almost like we've been working together behind the scenes. Like the, <laughs> that's the best way that I can explain it. It's like we've been working together behind the scenes and they've got to a point where they're like, I've reached. In fact, Lucy says this on in her episode, I think it's episode 167. Like she was like, I binged the podcast and I'd reached a point where I was like, I just, I want, I want to the next step. I want to go further than this. And that's why I think this is a side note, but I'll come back. I don't really get many um, inquiry calls that, uh, where the person is like, oh, I just want to sort of find out a little bit more about you. You all, you guys know me really well. <laughs> I share a lot in these episodes and it's, it's for mutual gain. I share a lot in these episodes because A, I want to offer you, if you if you have never got the um, capacity, the resources to come and do this work with me, I want to give you as much as I can, my best work through this free resource. But additionally to that, I really want to prepare you if you are going to do this work with me. I really want to prepare you. And it was interesting because this client of mine was saying, you know, part of the resistance is that you don't promise results. And she said, and I find that really interesting because I know some of the people that you've worked with and we do get results. We do, our prices have definitely gone up. We are booking more aligned clients. We're doing more aligned work. The things that we're saying yes to and no to are more aligned choices. So there are very tangible business results that come off the back of doing this work. And yet, I will never market my one-to-one services as this, come and do this work with me and I'll double your income or come and do this work with me and I'll make sure that you're saying, you know, you're getting this amount of inquiries or whatever it is. And the reason for that is because although you do get those results, it would be the wrong way around. And it sort of has led me to want to create this episode because I'm at a stage in business where I'm being very intentional about the choices that I am making. And that is because I have felt the consequences of choosing wrongly. (laughs) Over the last three years, I have made some choices in business where maybe I haven't been clear 
in my marketing about who this particular service is for. It's attracted the wrong kind of person and it just hasn't worked out. And I'll, by the way, I'll always say that with my one-to-one work. Like if we get into it, yes, there are, you know, legal contractual agreements, but if we get into it and this clearly isn't working, as much as you don't want to be held into a contract, I don't want to be held into a contract working with someone who we're not vibing, you know, it's not working. So anyway, it sort of leads me to this episode where I want to talk to you about the expensive habit habit of wanting to be liked. Because I think that from being there myself in my own business and from speaking to my clients, I think this habit is probably the thing that is at the other end of the results. And the way that I want you to think about it is like this. I want you to imagine a jigsaw puzzle and you might have this piece of the jigsaw and that piece of the jigsaw is the ability to say no. And that could be the ability to say, no, I won't take on any more of your work. I won't meet your demands or that piece of the jigsaw that is no could be, no, I won't do work that is misaligned, that doesn't feel good for me to do. That that piece of the jigsaw that means you saying no, it could be to any aspect of business, but just having that piece of the jigsaw won't do. And this is what I mean when people go, oh, well, I know what I'll do. I'll go and do that course over there that tells me, gives me the five steps of like how to structure my business model and how to do this and how to do that. And it's like, great. So you've got that jigsaw puzzle now. You've got that piece of the jigsaw puzzle now. But what about the bits that it slots into? And that's my work. My work is all of the pieces of the jigsaw that surround that one piece, that one piece of the jigsaw that is the piece where you go, do you know what? No, I'm not going to work at that low rate anymore. I am worth more. I am going to put my prices up. That piece of the jigsaw slots into all of these surrounding pieces. That's my work. (laughs) My work is the surrounding pieces, the surrounding pieces that give you the capacity to hold the discomfort of what happens in the void when you're getting less inquiries because you have changed your business model, your pricing structure. My pieces of the puzzle that surround that one that says no is one of those will be the ability to cope with the discomfort of when you say no and they're not very happy with you. You know, boundaries. It's like there. it's not one piece it's not one piece. And I've got, I've got one, two, three, four, I've got five things in this episode that I want to bring to you to try and highlight that if you are someone who can resonate with the fact that actually, yeah, I, I, I am navigating business wanting to be liked. Firstly, welcome to being human. (laughs) Like we all want to be liked. And You've probably, if you listen to this uh, this podcast, you probably hear in other people's podcasts, there's a very good reason for that. We are wired to want to fit in. We are wired to want to be part of the tribe. So I'm not even going to go too far down that rabbit hole in this episode. I just want to start off by saying, well, that's normal. The fact that you want to be liked. Okay, welcome to being human. But I think it can be really expensive if we don't look at the costs of making decisions from a place of wanting to be liked. And instead, we're coming at our work with, it's like, what I'm trying to say here is, it's okay to want to be liked. It's normal, it's human. And it's sometimes a really wise business choice to make. (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't want to be a prick or you don't want to be a bitch, but at the same time, you don't want to be abandoning yourself for the sake of being liked. And that's what this episode is about. So one of the, so let me get into it because I've got five sort of key areas for you to consider here. If you are someone who does want to be liked, the first thing that I want to bring to your attention is what are the impacts when it comes to your decision making? I'm just going to have a sip of my coffee, otherwise it's going to go cold, bear with. Okay, decision making. This is about what you say yes to and what you say no to. When it comes to your decisions in business, if you are coming from a place of wanting to be liked, and that's why I said what I said before, because I want you to know it's normal to want to be liked. It's where that is coming from in your list of drivers, in your list of motivating factors. If it's number one motivating factor, you can expect your decision making to reflect that. You can expect what you say yes to and what you say no to, to reflect you being liked. And this could be by anyone and everyone. So I want you to look around in life and business now, and I want you to think about the times where you've said yes to something when it really was misaligned. What did that cost you? What did it cost you to say yes to the piece of work that demanded that you would go against your own preferences? And please don't get me wrong when I say this, not, it's like buying a house. Not everything is perfect. So you'll have a list of things that are important to you. And like, for example, in the house that I come to in right now, the thing that we sacrificed on was a big back garden because it had, it ticked every other box. So I'm not being all or nothing when I'm saying this and I'm asking you to do the same. What I am saying is, what are the decisions that you've said yes to when it was really a no? And what did that cost you? Look backwards and think about what did that cost you? If you want to pause the episode and really think about it, consider things like, what did that cost you emotionally? What did that cost you from an energy perspective? And I'm talking about, there are lots of my clients who have said yes to the wrong thing and it's left them doing a piece of work that oftentimes they can sort of do it with their eyes closed. It's not necessarily that it's not been in integrity. They've taken something on that they shouldn't have because they haven't got those abilities to do that. No, it's more so that they've said yes to the wrong type of person or the wrong type of work. And although they can do it with their eyes closed, so it's not necessarily hard work in inverted commas, it's more so that it depletes them, that they're not being emotionally, energetically invested in their own yes means that they end up doing work and they feel burnt out because the type of work that they're doing is just not enjoyable for them. It's just not fulfilling for them. It's just not satisfying for them. And therefore it can leave them energetically depleted. And that's what I meant before when I said there are parts of the jigsaw puzzle that, for example, at the beginning of my business, I'm I'm going to be someone in this episode who says to you, sometimes it's a good thing to say yes to things that aren't necessarily aligned. And at the beginning of my business, it was because I didn't have the financial um, stable foundation to turn things down. And so sometimes you have got to say yes to things that you think, oh, I'm not really sure that this is what I want to be doing both to give you that financial stability, but also to show you that, do you know what? 
this is you learning what you don't want. And I think for, for you guys listening who are business owners, I think as you navigate business through the years, you start learning more about not only where your preferences are, but ha- like who you do your best work with. And it's very important for both parties that you are able to own your yeses and your noes because it will come through in your marketing. It will come through in the way that you position yourself. And this is even true for those of you who are in employment. When you're in employment, you still market yourself. You still position yourself. And if you're not able to own your yeses and your noes, you'll end up, your decision-making will be so flawed because you'll end up making decisions that are, instead of coming from a place of integrity, it comes from this place of, I'll say yes because I don't want to let them down. I'll say yes because I don't want to look weak or I don't want to look like I can't. And your yeses, when you are prioritizing wanting to be liked and how other people are perceiving you, your yeses won't feel aligned in here and only you know how that feels. And just a slight side point on this financially and from a financial perspective, and I'm only going to make this point quickly and then I'm going to come back out because actually financially is the third point that I've got to make in this episode. But you'll not only will you be saying yes because you don't want to be perceived as a certain way, but also sometimes you'll be saying yes because you will be coming from this place of, I've got to say yes to it because I'm not confident in that place of the void. I'm not comfortable tolerating the discomfort of um, saying no, everything that comes with saying no. And from that place, the financial implication on you is this almost this like lost opportunity cost thing going on where if we say yes to the wrong things, it ends up that we're doing the wrong work with either the wrong people or the wrong kinds of projects or however that fits for you in your world. And the more, and the reason that we do that is because we believe that more won't come. And we believe that if we say yes, if we stand by ourselves and we say yes to the things that are really aligned, that those opportunities won't come around. And so we end up saying yes to the wrong things. We end up doing work that we don't want to do. And therefore, in saying yes to the things that we don't want to do, we actually miss out on saying yes to the aligned work because we're so preoccupied and busy with the work that we said yes to that we didn't want to do. You know, I'll come more to the financial implications in a, after this next point. The second point that I want to make in this episode is not owning what you think. If you want to know the symptom of not owning what you think, the best example that I can give you is crowdsourcing. When people, when I find that people are at the beginning of learning how to navigate business and wanting not, it's not not wanting to be liked. Everyone wants to be liked. Of course we do. It's putting that it's placing that lower down in your priorities. And what I find at the beginning is oftentimes when you want to be liked, you will do a lot of crowdsourcing. So you'll be asking for other people's opinions on something that you already have an opinion about. And that's what I mean when I say not owning what you think. What I mean by not owning what you think, if you've got an idea, let's say, and you're like, oh my God, I feel like this is a really good idea. I feel really lit up by it. And then you go on a walk with your friend and your friend says, I'm not really too sure about that. Like, do you think people will really like it? 
I did this. This is the reason I'm using this as an example. I love my friend. My friend is such an amazing person and she's amazing at what she does, but she's not my ideal client. She's not someone who would come and do this work. And so the big mistake that I made there was listening to her go, it's a good idea, but do you think people are going to get it? And do you think people are going to resonate with that? I should have listened to myself. I should have listened to myself and not prioritized what not crowdsource, not prioritize what other people think about it. This is not the same as not asking for being open to other people's feedback and opinions. This is different in that when we want to be liked, we're trying to please everyone and we're prioritizing what other people think and therefore we're being led by it. This is not the same as not being open to it. I am in a position, I come to you, I record this episode now, very open to my husband's opinions about my business and my friend's feedback on what they think I'm doing at the moment. But it's further down the list in terms of what I think is always in the lead. It's always in the lead because I'm the person who is making the decisions about what I think is best for my clients. And that's because that's my skill. (laughs) I'm able to listen and hear what they need. And this stands for my one-to-one clients. And this also stands for my clients inside the Inner Work Club. My clients inside the Inner Work Club, they know the schedule, they know what's happening, but they don't necessarily know each month what workshop I'm going to be doing because neither do I. And at the beginning of my business, I was like, oh, there are these rules and you have to make sure that you're, you know, you're giving them the curriculum and they know what's coming up. And now I'm like, hey, listen, if you're going to be joining this, please let it be known that I will sense what the group needs and I will deliver it. And it takes a level of confidence, which I'm going to be honest, is built over time. And that confidence comes from a place of um, always keeping coming back to what do I think? And you can't keep coming back to what do I think if you're constantly coming from a place of, I need to think about what they think and I need to ask them for their opinion. And what I find a lot of the time when people are prioritizing being liked and prioritizing and being like, what's the word for it? Being palatable is they will crowdsource their ideas And therefore they'll take on all of these different opinions and they'll realize that at the end of the day, they've got five different opinions that are all different. And the sixth one that is completely different again, belongs to them. And they find themselves in in this position of overwhelm. Now, just pausing the episode here, like don't not actually pausing it, but just pausing it to where this episode has come from at the beginning. When people face resistance in coming to do this work one-to-one with me, the reason I will not convince and the reason that I will not promise certain results is because typically what people want when they're needing to be convinced to come and do this work or they're looking at other other types of things like business coaching or a marketing course is because they're wanting the answer. They're wanting the quick fix. They're wanting this one piece of the jigsaw. And they might go off and get that one piece of the jigsaw, but they find that when they come to place that in the puzzle, it's hard for them to do. So what I mean there is, let's say that someone has um, gone and done a marketing course. Well, not No shade on marketing courses, by the way. I'm, I've taken marketing courses myself. But they've gone and taken this marketing course and they've now got that piece of the jigsaw. 
and they go to place it in. So they go to market in the way that suits them and, you know, really um, stand behind their unique work and all of this stuff. They go to place it in the puzzle and they find that they can't. And it's usually because the surrounding pieces of the jigsaw aren't there yet. And that's my work. My work is around, okay, so the two things that I've covered so far in your decision making, are you prioritizing what you, what you know is right for you? what you know is aligned for you in business. Because if you if you are, what that will mean is you will be, you will have developed a sense of trust with yourself. You will have developed a certain level of tolerance to the discomfort of the silence, a certain level of tolerance to the discomfort of other people having opinions on what you should and shouldn't do. You will have developed these skills, right? And I, I, I paused the episode there because I wanted to link that back. I'm going to do it again in a little minute when I've covered these next few points. The next thing that I've got to cover off with you is financially. And this is a really tricky one. It's not a really fucking tricky one, actually. But this is one that I'm always very conscious of bringing to the inner work conversation because inevitably, whether you're in employment. So on my Instagram grid recently, I posted that one of my clients who worked with me in 2023 recently messaged me and was like, I've actually had since our work together, not, I had a 10K pay rise and then I, and then I had another 10K pay rise. So 20 grand in total. This um, image was, she gave me permission to share it. It's on my Instagram grid. This works for you guys who are in employment and it also works for you guys who are self-employed. And the reason I don't market it this way is because I want people who are coming to me saying, I want to do the the outside of the jigsaw pieces. I don't want you to just give me this one. When you want, when people come just wanting this one piece, I'm like, I'm not your girl. This is not the work for you. This is the outside of the jigsaw puzzle piece. I really hope that you're all getting the jigsaw puzzle thing because it makes sense in my own head. Anyway, financially, if you are prioritizing being liked, whether this, whether you're in employment or whether you are running your own business, you will each of you have had your own upbringing when it comes to money, when it comes to um, your financial story, your relationships with money, you'll have had your own upbringing and that will have been comprised of what happened before you were born. So your family's financial situation. Um, So for example, for me, my um, mum and dad came, like my mum had seven brothers and sisters uh, seven, six, seven, eight. I don't know. She came from a family. My mum and dad came from, from parts of the Wirral that were not the flashiest parts. They didn't necessarily have a lot of money. Um, and they were very driven when I was, when I was growing up by working all of the hours and paying their mortgage off and establishing safety, perceived safety by way of getting all of the money doesn't matter about whether you like your work or not, paying off your mortgage, having financial stability. Now, I would say that that's probably been uh, pros and cons for me in my own upbringing because that's given me great work ethic. It's helped me to be really smart about my financial decisions, but it's also um, fucked me up a little bit <laughs> because when you're when you run your own business, you have to become comfortable with the fact that you're not getting a salary. Uh, well, you are technically because you're paying, but that's the point. You're paying yourself each month and therefore you're the one who has to make sure of that. And anyway, my point, 
you will all have your own financial stories. You will all have your own relationships with money. And when it comes to not just like your story and how you grew up around money, but also your personal relationship when it comes to money. So, you know, the way that you spend your cash, the way that you uh, use your financial resources, the stories that you tell yourself about money, whether you're flippant with it, whether you have a relationship with it where you um, judge yourself in terms of your worthiness and well I can't spend that on myself or I'll be able to show I'm this successful when I earn this much like you'll all have your own individual stories around money when it comes to wanting to be liked the issue the connection and the issue that happens when it comes to your financial resources is sometimes it looks like you're not asking for what you know that this is worth so uh that could, if you're in employment, that could look like you not backing yourself when you're going for that salary increase. Or it could look slightly different, like the opposite, where you feel like you're being paid a certain amount. And therefore, because you want to be liked and their opinion of you is very, very important, you do more and more and more and give more and more and more to almost show that you are that valuable. And if you're a business owner, you are literally the person who decides on your pricing structure. So I say pricing structure and not just price because it's not like the businesses that I work with. I don't work with product-based businesses. The businesses that I work with are service providers. They're the people who, they don't just decide how much that thing is going to cost. They also are deciding what they're giving in terms of the levels of service And that's where if you are coming from this place of wanting to be liked, basically wanting to be liked, if I flip that around, it's you avoiding not being liked. Now, if I position it to you like that, and then I take your money stories and I align them up, you're probably going to hear things inside of yourself like, yeah, well, I don't put my prices up because and then fill in the blank. That's not the rule in my industry. In my industry, it goes like this, it goes like that, it goes like this. Or, um, oh, well, if I am putting my prices like this and I'm prioritizing wanting to be liked, I don't want to look like I'm greedy or I don't want to look like I'm so cocksure of myself. And then they have that expectation of me. And then uh, I can't live into it. Like, don't get me wrong. What I'm not saying here is price outside of your zone of integrity. So I would never, like, I don't give my own clients advice around how they charge. What I do do with them is that surrounding piece of being able to stand in your own value, being able, this is the, one of the biggest ones with my clients is being able to own your brilliance. I actually have something called a success evaluation where the majority of my clients, when I talk to them at the beginning and I talk to them about, well, that thing that went really well for you, how did that happen? A lot of the time at the beginning of their journey, they'll be like, oh, it was just luck or it was a fluke or no, they just got introduced through someone else. And they'll sort of offset their own successes in business with, it's almost like ignorance. So that's how it can affect things Price, uh, like from a pricing perspective. But I also want to draw your attention to, if you're coming from this place of avoiding not being liked, you're also that's also going to come through in how you negotiate. 
the negotiations will feel very icky, very personal. And what I think this work does is help you to navigate through conversations from the heart and the mind, but not trying to do that all at the same time, but being able to give yourself the freedom to move around negotiations in business using both with reverence to yourself as the business owner and also that other person. I think that's a really important one because a lot of the time, what I see when people just really want to be liked or they're avoiding not being liked is when it comes to negotiations, they don't give themselves any time. They say yes, to, like I said at the top of the episode, they say they're making decisions, they're saying yes to things. They didn't mean yes. It wasn't a real yes. And they pay the price of that later. That That is what will be happening. Two more points to make, and I'm going to make them really quick because I want to keep this episode nice and short and sweet. The next one that I want to make is around creativity. If you are avoiding being disliked in business, and if you're avoiding doing the work, um, you, you will be hindering yourself from a creativity perspective, both with your creative integrity and also trying to appeal to people who aren't necessarily your people. And I, I can tell you this because well, not I can tell you this because I did this, but I can relate to this because I did this for a little while too. I One of my most recent clients, one of the very first things that she said to me when we were, we actually did her, it was Chloe who you heard on episode 198. She, one of the first things that she said to me was, I've binged your podcast. I am really considering working with you. We did a consultation over Voxer and she said, you know what I really liked about your podcast is it wasn't all a shiny show. Like you bring the shit. And, <laughs> and I really do feel like I bring the shit to the inner work conversation, not in a way that is doom and gloom, but in a way that shines a light on the doom and gloom in order for us to work through it together. That's very representative of my work. And the reason that I bring this to you as an example of creative integrity is there was a time in my business where I was a little bit low in terms of like emotionally, because I was looking over there and comparing my podcast stats with other people and really just wondering like, where am I going wrong? And really convincing myself that I was going wrong. And actually I look back on that and I actually look back and think, no, you, you didn't go wrong. It was just taking you longer because you weren't doing it in a popular way. You weren't doing it in a trendy way. You weren't doing it in a tried, tested, true, let's go viral way. And that's not dissing any of those ways. That's just saying that, because because if those ways were creatively aligned with me, best believe I'd be doing them. But I wasn't doing them because it didn't feel right with me. And in those times where I got a little bit low and a little bit down, I tried some of those approaches on and it didn't do anything. <laughs> it didn't do anything for my stats. It didn't do anything for my self-esteem. But what it did do was show me that, do you know what? There is a cost to be paid for going against your own creative integrity. And I think it's important to recognize that cost. When what I what I mean when I say your creative integrity, you might be listening to this thinking, um, I don't know, maybe you're someone who doesn't necessarily work in a creative business capacity, like a solicitor or a professor, or I challenge you though, there will be parts of what you do 
where you have to stand by what you like. And that might come through in the style in which you do what you do or the, yeah, like the how, the way that you do what you do. And I challenge any of you listening to this that if you're navigating business, you have to be creative. And also because you're a human with a very unique DNA fingerprint way about you, it's whether you stand by yourself, it's whether you stand by your I like this and I like me and I'm not going to pretend to be someone else just to please fill in the blank, the masses or my audience or my boss or my colleagues or this industry that I work with and its norms. You have to be able for it to feel success. Like there's one thing being financially successful or successful by way of your job title or whatever it is. There's another thing feeling successful on the inside. And I think that massive part of feeling successful on the inside is dependent on how able you are to hold the discomfort that comes with not getting as much exposure or not necessarily getting um, all of the likes on your Instagram post when you stand by your own creative integrity. And further to the conversation that I was telling you about with my client where she was saying, you know, I listened to your podcast and it wasn't the shiny show. There will, well, there are, I know for a fact because they tell me there are people who listen to my podcast and they're like, eh, not for me. That's not for me. And that's, that's not just fine. That's a good thing. I've recently had a lady join um, the Inner Work Club and I was chatting to her on a Zoom call before she joined. And she said, you know what? There are, there are points in your podcast episodes where I have to switch it off. And I was like, ooh, tell me more. Tell me about that. And she said, well, sometimes it just goes to that place that I'm just really uncomfortable with. And that was the reason she was coming to do the work with me in the Inner Work Club. Because after so long of putting it off and turning the episodes off when it got twitchy bum time, like too uncomfortable when I was talking about things like feelings and, you know, facing yourself, she'd realized that actually that was the work that she was avoiding. And that's why it's so important. You have to bring what you think is the right thing. You can't be constantly coming from this place of not wanting to be disliked. Because when you come from a place of not wanting to be disliked, what you will be doing in that place is not putting your unique contribution out there. You'll be turning the color down on it. You'll be turning the contrast down on it. And that's not, you're here for a limited time. And I'm not talking about a human on this earth. I'm talking about in your capacity to bring what only you bring. And I I truly believe that because I think that in our careers, we get to a stage where we're a bit grown. And it's at that, that's like, for me, that's a perfect, perfect point. You've got yourself, you've had all of this experience and you're getting yourself to this point where you're like, oh, I'm finally seeing who I am. And I'm finally seeing what I bring to the table. And it's from that point till the point where you retire or you can't work anymore. That to them to me are the precious years. They're like the years of like, this is amazing. And you've only got a limited time to do that. So what are you going to do? Are you going to spend that time not putting your unique contribution out there for fear that there will be people that won't like it? Or are you going to develop the tolerance and the capacity to hold the discomfort when you're not getting the likes on your post, when things are a little bit quieter, when 
actually you're seeing that, okay, so for me, that's where for me, then the skills building comes in. Because if I've established what is really true for me, so I'll use this podcast as an example, I know that I do shine a light, shine a light on the doom and the gloom with a view to empowering you to notice it's there, notice it's normal and work through it and hopefully give you the tools to do that. If I don't then realize as a business owner that I have to pair that with marketing skills and the ability to show you that actually you can come and do this work with me, work through that shit. I can guarantee that you will work through that shit. You'll be better at the end of it. If I can't show you that, and if no one's coming to do this work with me, it's not a business, it's a hobby. If you're not earning from your business, if you're not profiting from your business, it's not a business, it's a hobby. So do you see what I mean? Those marketing skills, I'm not disregarding them. I'm saying that they have to be layered on top of the right intention. You can develop all of the marketing skills. I know I'm coming from marketing in this episode. You could apply any other skill, any other skill, like building your website, any other skill, but it's got to be layered on top of a foundation of, I stand by my creative contribution. I stand by what I think. I stand by what I like. I stand by the values that I have. Because if it's not, all of those skills will be used in the wrong way. That's my point. Um, is there anything else? Oh yeah, lastly, on creativity, and then I promise I'm gonna wrap the episode up. The last thing here is exactly that. It, in terms of creative integrity, you can either be led by what you believe or be led by likes. And we'll wrap this point up here. If you are led by likes, and this doesn't matter if it's on social media or in a podcast or um, in a work environment where you can say something and you know the majority of the room is going to give you yes noises. Mm, mm-hmm, mm, yeah, mm, mm. It's really easy to operate at 70%. It's really easy to go, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give 70% of me and I'm going to hold that 30% back. I I need you to ask yourself, is that okay? If it is, maybe this episode isn't that important to you and that's okay. But if it's not, I want you to ask yourself, putting that extra 30% of yourself out there and really turning up as you and owning your brilliance and what you believe in business, it's going to cause sometimes for less of those yummy noises in the room, it's going to co- it's going to cause maybe for less people to click like on your post, but for more inquiries from the right people to come through. That's what my clients experience, you know, and um, when they make the transition creatively, from putting their work out there, their work, their true work, the work that isn't the popular work, but it does show what they do, just like I do in the inner work conversation. I'm here showing up, giving you what I do. It's not going to be for everyone. And I would, that's what I meant before. That's not just okay. That is the best because you don't think about it from your perspective. You don't want to be working with the wrong people. You don't want to be attracting people just because you knew that you could by doing it a certain way because it's not good for you and it's not good for them. It's not good for them. So the last, I'm going to move on now. The last thing that I want to talk about here is when you are navigating business from a place of avoiding being disliked, the last place that I want to talk about it showing up 
is how you deal with conflict. As you navigate business, it is, I, I say to my clients, it's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage that you're going to get uh, complaints. It's a rite of passage that you're going to get people disagreeing with you online. It's a rite of passage that you're going to get people saying, do you know what? I'm not very happy that you did that or that you said that or that you demonstrated that or that you showed up in that way. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage that you're going to sit in a meeting. If you're truly owning what you think, it's a rite of passage that you're going to be in a meeting sometimes and someone's going to say, I don't agree with you. And I think that you're wrong. In fact, I'm going to signpost you for your next listen to go and listen to episode 156, which is all about, are you holding back your brilliance? Because it's in that episode where I talk, I don't actually say these words, but I talk about not breaking under pressure, but bending. When you come from a really self-assured place, and I've done an episode on self-assurance. I'll link all of these in the show notes. Let me just write that one down. Self-assurance. Self-assurance and episode 156. I'll link them. And the other two that I've mentioned, the Chloe one and the Lucy one as well. I'll link all of these. But when you come from that grounded place of self-assurance, what can happen is you can turn up and you can own your opinion and you can say, this is what I think. And then other people can come along. And instead of seeing their disagreement as an attack, you can instead, and, and as something that is going to tear you down and that you need to, oh, I need to get my defenses up and I need to stand my position. You're able to be like, I'm interested in your opinion. It might not make me sway away from mine. And I might still stand by my own decision about what I think and how I've behaved, but I am open to hearing yours. I think that the other thing as well that being this grounded in your own self-assurance does, I'm just going to get a book, wait there one sec, is there's, there's actually a book called Tools of Titans. Um, and, oh, I've just flicked right onto the page. It's It's a massive book and it's on page 534. And he gives you eight tactics for dealing with haters. Now, I'm, this episode's not going to be on haters, but I am going to talk a little bit here on this part of the episode is about how you handle conflict. Conflict can come in the form of seemingly people hating on you, people disagreeing with you, people seeming like they just want to pick a bone with you. And in anyway, in... um in these eight tips that he gives you, like number one, it doesn't matter how many people don't get it. What matters is how many people do. Number two, 10% of people will find a way to take anything personally, expect it and treat it as math. Number three, when in doubt, starve it of oxygen. Here are three primary responses to online criticism. Starve it of oxygen, pour gasoline on it, engage with trolls after too much wine. Um, number four, if you don't respond, don't over apologize. Number five, you can't reason someone out of something they didn't reason themselves into. Number six, trying to get everyone to like you is a sign of mediocrity. You'll avoid the tough decisions and you'll avoid confronting people who need to be confronted, Colin Powell. Number seven, if you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. I actually really agree with that. It, this is, not a point that I was going to raise in this episode, but it is a point that I'm going to make. 
a lot of time when people, um, they want to avoid being disliked, they'll try and show everyone that I'm not foolish and I'm not stupid and they won't allow themselves to be seen as a beginner. And again, that can contribute to your, um, the way that you show up in business because you, you're treading around ever so carefully because you don't want to be seen as looking stupid, right? That's the last thing that we want. And then number eight, living well is the best revenge. He's talking there specifically about dealing with haters, but I would say the same is true for conflict. Like I said, I believe that conflict is a rite of passage in business. It's something that's going to happen where humans interacting with other humans. So you can't walk around business trying to please all of the people all of the time. You can't walk around because your decisions are going to be impacted by that. You can't walk around business trying to be liked by all of the people and avoiding being disliked because how you show up is going to be impacted by that. So please take this as your signpost in this episode that if you're wanting the quick fixes, if you're just walking around business and things aren't going your way and you're not seeing the results that you want to see and you're being like, I know that'll fix it. Or if I just follow their five steps, or if I just get that course, or if I just increase my knowledge and skill in these areas, I'm not saying that 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 won't help. I am saying that they're just pieces of the jigsaw that have to slot into other pieces. And if you are not prepared to do that work, you can expect yourself to be still holding the piece that you've just gained and being like, ah, fuck, but there's nowhere where I can put it because I'm too uncomfortable with all of the rest of this, that even though I know this new marketing knowledge, or even though I know how to build my own website, or even though I've got all of the information on how to do this thing and I've got a course that I'm going to build around it, you won't be able to promote it because you'll be so uncomfortable in case people don't like it, in case people don't come, in case you're going to invite people to your party, in inverted commas, and no one turns up. And it's uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable work and I'm not going to pretend that it's not. But what I do hope that this episode has done much longer than I expected it to be. Congratulations if you're still here. What I do hope this episode has done is help you to see the places within you that you are genuinely walking around business trying to avoid being disliked and hopefully has shone some light on the power that comes with developing the capacity and the tolerance within yourself to be liked by you first. So with that, I'm going to wrap the episode up here. I hope it's served you. As always, please never forget. Please never forget, I'm here. Like If you want to come do this work, here I am. Um, in different capacities as well. Book a consultation call in if you want to explore that. Also, please never forget, I'm always cheering you on and I really do hope that you are cheering you on too. <laughs>